We're continuing our series called Satisfying, focusing on how God meets our deepest needs. We've been learning about some of the names that God has used to describe himself to us. And today we focus on the name El Shaddai. I am your all-powerful God. I am the God that meets your fear of weakness, your fear of failure, your lack of meaning, your lack of ability. The word El points to the power of God himself and comes from a root word meaning might, strength, and power. Shaddai points to is derived from a, a root word that means to overpower or to destroy. The Latin version of the Bible describes Shaddai as omnipotence, from which we get our English word omnipotent, meaning having very great or unlimited power. God is so overpowering that he is God Almighty, El Shaddai. Other translators focus on the word shad, which means breast in Hebrew, implying that Shaddai signifies the one who nourishes, who supplies, who satisfies. In this case, the name might derive from the contraction of Shah, who, and Dai, enough to indicate God's complete sufficiency. He is the all-sufficient God. You see, it is God as El who is omnipotent. It is God as Shaddai who abundantly blesses as pictured through the bountiful blessings of the breast and the womb. I love this picture of the wholeness of God, the true masculine and the true feminine of God that he models for us. At once, he is the powerful defender and the gentle one who nurtures, sustains, and blesses at the same time. You see, God desires to bless us and provide in abundance for all of our needs. God desires to bless us and to provide in abundance for all of your needs. Do you believe that about your God? The name El Shaddai is indicative of a God who is powerful enough to do just that. Only an all-powerful God can bless all of mankind with these manner of blessings. We first see the name El Shaddai used in Genesis when God called Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make a covenant with you between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you. I have already done it. I have made you a father of many nations. Now there's an interesting promise. You see, Abram and his wife Sarah had been unable to have children all their adult lives. Now at the young age of 99, God answers their lifelong prayer to bless them with a child. Here we see the God who nourishes, who supplies, who satisfies. But there's more. God's going to change Abram's name to Abraham, and he is going to make him the father of nations. He will make and enforce an everlasting covenant between Abraham and his descendants. He will be their God, and they will be his people. Here we see the God of unlimited power that will overcome any obstacle to the promise that he's made to you and to me. Abraham and Sarah were beyond childbearing age. How could he be the father of many nations? If this was going to be, God would have to show up. They were powerless to make any of this happen. Sound familiar? Do you ever feel powerless? Do you ever need God to show up? I know I do. So where do we get the power to live in today's crazy world, in a world where sick things happen to good people, in a world where life seems to be such a constant struggle? 
Where do we get the power to live in a world that's filled with difficult questions? And where do I get the power to just to keep on going every day? You know, God never promised us that it was going to be easy. Pain and sin are everywhere around us. Today's message is that you and I don't have to live powerless lives. You and I don't have to look to other sources of power. God says to you, I want you to have my power today and every day, even in the midst of pain and suffering. You see, like Abraham, our dreams and our destinies are tied to God's power, not ours. His naming of himself, El Shaddai, and his naming of us as his people tell us that. He has a new name for you, not the one that's overwhelmed and thinking about throwing in the towel, but the one as his beloved child with full access to every ounce of his power to be what he's calling you forth to be. He has that power for you and he has that power for me. You know, I think that for most of us here, we don't question God's power. We really don't. You know, we know that God's powerful. We step outside and we look at this incredible playground called earth and we can see God's power. What you and I question is this. Is God's power available to me? And if so, how do I get it? Those are the questions that we have. And I want to proclaim to you today that, yes, you can get God's power. He promised it. It's available. You know, and I I love God. He doesn't just talk about power. He wants us to access it. And we see in 1 Corinthians 4, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Wow, what a great verse that is. Kind of reminds me of what the Texans say, you know, certain people are all hat and no cattle. Not this guy, not this God, right? This God's not a matter of talk. It's about power. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the skies. You, O God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. He gives power and strength to you and to me in the midst of what it is that we're going through. You know, I remember when I was a young Christian and I was trying to to figure all this out and figure if I really believed in this, this God thing, having made a couple of steps of faith. And I remember reading for the first time the book of Ephesians. And what kind of power do we have access to? Well, Paul proclaims it. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, what's it like? Well, I'm glad you asked, Paul says. It's the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, power, authority, and dominion, and every name that can be evoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I got so carried away in the first service, I just thought I'd preach about resurrection power, right? You've seen those preachers do that. That's the power we're talking about here. The same power that, that raised Christ from the dead, that created the earth, it is that power that is available to you and to me. As we are filled with God's Holy Spirit, that's the power. Other than that, we're not talking about much power here. Okay? Paul continues, it's, it's not enough. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. I pray that out of his glorious riches, listen to this church, that he may strengthen you. How? With power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. 
Now to him who is able to, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. He can do more than anything you could ask or imagine. How? According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. I mean, that's an amazing promise. It either is true or it isn't true. And God has proclaimed that his power is fully available to you. And it's fully available to me. Before we talk about how to access it, I want to paint a picture of good news. I want to talk about four promises that God says, I will give you power when. So when is it that you and I can count on God's power? Number one, I can count on God's power when I'm tired. You know, I don't even have to ask if some of you are tired. I can see it in your faces. For many of us Americans, our motto is, why stop and smell the roses when you can drive right through them? It's the lifestyle we live, you know. Obviously, there are things that we can do to slow down our lives. But in the midst of this madness, God makes us a promise. I'll never forget learning this in a very real way in the uh, uh, January of 2003. I was visiting Mohican Lodge up in northeastern Ohio. I was physically, emotionally, and spiritually worn out, so much so that I had begun a first-ever work sabbatical, just trying to gain healing. I remember a frigid day. I was eating breakfast in their dining room, looking down at the frozen lake before me, when a majestic bald eagle appeared and sat in a tree near the restaurant window for 20 or 30 minutes. Mohican employees marvel that they usually see eagles in the warm months, but never when the lake is frozen, when there wasn't any food for them to capture. As I drove home later that morning, God spoke to me that he had put that eagle in that tree for me. I was in the depths of despair. I was in a time of frigid emotional winter in my life, and yet God promised me that he would raise me up on eagle's wings and make me shine like the sun in the midst of that. He reminded me of Isaiah 40. Listen to these words. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. You feel weak sometimes? Do you feel weak today? To increase the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Some of you need to memorize this verse. Write it down and put it by your toothbrush. Get a tattoo of it and put it on your body. You know, maybe the Ohio State Athletic Department can get you a discount. Ouch, that hurts this Buckeye fan. Don't stone me. I don't care where you put it. Just put it somewhere where we can be reminded of the truth of the Scripture. God's power is unlimited. He never gets tired. He never gets weary. He never goes to bed. He has unlimited energy. He created the entire universe and said, what's next? He wasn't even tired from doing that. Would you like that kind of power? It's available. When else can I count on God's power? I can count on his power when I have nothing to offer. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like I don't have anything left to give? You know, it might be with your children. I don't know what he or she wants from me. Or maybe it could be with your job. I am in over my head. God says, I will give you power when you don't feel like you have anything to offer. When you feel overwhelmed and inadequate. 
You know, three times the Apostle Paul said to God, I've got this affliction. Will you take it away from me? God's response, no. My power shows up best in weak people. My power shows up best in weak people. So Paul declares, so I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God says, my power shows up when you're weak. And Paul says, okay, I'll boast about my weaknesses. God makes you a promise, and he makes me a promise. When we feel inadequate, when we feel like we have nothing to offer and nothing left to give, he wants to invade our life with his power. Do you need to tap into power like that? It's available. When else can I count on God's power? I can count on God's power when I'm in pain. You know, some of the pain that's in this room this morning is very real and very hard. Some of us in this room come from lousy family or marriage situations. The relational dynamics are terrible. And there are some hate-filled people in the home. And we don't even want to go back there. That's pain. Some of the pain in this room has to do with our bodily pain. We have this affliction that we're living with. And it looks like tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and it's going to be there again. And we're tired of it. Some of the pain has to do with less than ideal work situations. We don't like our job, and yet we're not doing anything about it. And we'll go to work this week to perhaps unrealistic quotas or impossible deadlines, and it's grinding us down. Some of us here are going through the trauma of a separation or a divorce. Some of us have recently lost loved ones. Some of us are just starting to face the reality of an emotional condition that we're discovering about ourselves. Some of us have friendships that are fractured or constant financial pressures on the verge of bankruptcy. Some of us are parents and we're broken apart because we've watched our kids make decisions that hurt their lives. And some of us are sick of being single. We're not dating anyone and marriage seems a long way off or even an unrealistic dream. That's pain. Did I hit you? You know, there's no shortage of difficulty facing those of us who are here. You're not immune from pain and neither am I. It's inevitable that you and I will experience some kind of soul-piercing heartbreak along the way that comes from a loss that's too painful to bear. I took that three-month work sabbatical in 2003 for many reasons. As I said, I was exhausted. In 2002, I had begun facing the reality of a deep need for emotional healing in my own life. I was working with a Christian counselor and we had been getting closer and closer each month to emotional ground zero for me. I was tired of performing for approval, but I had no idea of how to change. I was finally facing the deep pain inflicted upon me by my dysfunctional family of origin in the divorce, the painful divorce that shattered our family. And for the first time, and I say this with permission of my dear wife who was here in the first service, for the first time I was seeing how my wife of 20 years contributed to my intense pain. To be clear, Melissa and I shared equally in our marital issues. They weren't all her fault. Still, I was hopeless that our marriage could change. I wrote in my journal one day that one more day in our marriage felt like a death sentence. I was at the end of me. I was beyond weak. I didn't even have the emotional energy to go to work. For Mr. Performance Oriented, that was a problem. Where do you go with your pain? What do you do with it when you hurt? 
when the pain just won't go away and perhaps the event isn't even explainable. You know, the good news is that God promises us His power in the midst of our pain. I love these promises. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He nurses them when they're sick and eases their pain. Once I was young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the godly abandoned. It's never happened. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you nor destroy you. He will not fail you. Nor forget the covenant with your fathers which he swore to them. El Shaddai, the all-powerful God Almighty. That's the God, the God who makes those promises to you. You know, if you're not a Christian and you're just here checking this God thing out, some of my Christian friends will tell you that they have gone through or maybe they're going through that kind of pain, some of the deepest and darkest valleys of their life. But they will also tell you with conviction that if it wasn't for God's power and strength, they never could have made it to the other side, at least not in one piece. For Christians, God's power doesn't just pacify our pain. When we access God's power, it so invades our life that it satisfies our soul. Yes, satisfies, even in the midst of painful circumstances. Do you want to tap into that kind of power? It's available. When else can I count on God's power? I can count on God's power when I'm tempted. You know, one of the reasons for pain in our lives is that we haven't had the power to say no to temptation. Paul understood this when he wrote, I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. Can you relate to that one? Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker that says, lead us not into temptation. I'm perfectly capable of finding it on my own. I can relate to that. All of us are tempted. All of us have fallen short of God's standard for our lives. And here's this Paul guy. I mean, here's a guy who pursued God with great vigor. I mean, after all, he wrote most of the New Testament. He was imprisoned and eventually martyred for God. And even Paul says that he struggles with temptation and sin, just like you and just like me. We're in good company. Temptation is inevitable, but the good news is that God won't let us be tempted beyond our capacity to handle it. He's faithful and gives us the power to say no when we're tempted. Paul writes, every temptation that has come your way is the kind that normally comes to people. We're all in the same boat, but God keeps his promise and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. At the same time you're tempted, he will give you strength to endure it and so provide you with a way out. Paul also writes, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. What conditions? All conditions. All of them. 100% of them. Regardless of what's happening in your life. Regardless of the pain or the temptation that's in your life. The promise is this. There's a way out. But here's the question. Do you take it? God says, I want to give you the power for the way out. Do you need to access that type of power? It's available. You know, the bottom line to these four promises is, I feel like God's saying this to us. When you're burned out and tired... I want to give you my power. In the midst of your feeling inadequate with your life, I want to give you my power. I want to give you my power to handle the devastating hurt that you're going through right now. When you feel tempted beyond your control, I want to give you my power. That's the good news of today. We don't have to live powerless, weak lives. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, well, that's good, Phil. God may give you the power, but he doesn't work that way with me. You see, I'm just an average Christian. 
I love God and everything, but quite frankly, I'm fatigued, I'm stressed. My kids are out of control. My heart's broken. My prayers aren't answered. I don't see that kind of power in my life. Well, here's how I respond to that. I would say that God's power is not automatic. As a matter of fact, I've seen a lot of Christians who live their lives with no more power than non-Christians. They may have salvation, maybe even have God's presence in their lives, but they live with no more power. Why? You see, God does the impossible. He provides us with power. But listen to this. We do the possible. We do the possible with faith that God will do the impossible. We have a role in this. And I want to give you three action steps of what you and I can do to access to receive God's power. A, B, C's. The A is admit that you're weak. There's a good one for you. If you want God's power, admit that you're weak. This is where I admit my lack of power. I admit that I don't have it all together. Maybe, guys, I may even ask for directions. Who knows? I admit that I can't solve everything on our own. And for some of us, this is tough because we think we're God. We think we've got it all together and we can do this. If you're thinking that, who are you kidding? We pretend to be self-sufficient, and the key word here is pretend. And when we do that, we short-circuit God's power for our lives. If you want to access God's power, you start here. You drop to your knees, perhaps today, and admit that you're weak. You know, I was speaking with some friends recently about the endless news stories of people who have imploded their lives through uh, sexual impropriety, greed, anger, theft, Twitter, fill in the blank. You know, the one thing that we agreed on that was most likely common for all these people is that they live life alone, that they don't have any friends speaking in their lives, holding their account- them accountable. They think they have it all together, and they've got it all by themselves, and then their life crashes. I'd bet my net worth on that one, that those people are living life alone. The Bible calls that pride, and it's filled with verses on pride. The Bible tells us that God hates pride. Pride says, I don't need God. Pride says, I've got it all together. In the ancient wisdom literature called Proverbs, we read a couple things about pride. Pride ends in humiliation. Wow, we've seen that lately. Why humility brings honor. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Those of you that know about the 12 steps to recovery know that step one is admit that we are powerless over our addictions and our dysfunctional behaviors, that our lives have become unmanageable, that we're weak. Doesn't that sound like Paul who said, I will boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me? For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you want God's power, at some point you've got to get rid of the steering wheel and say, God, take control. You've got to say, you know, the issues in my marriage are beyond my control, God, and I'm inviting you to show up here. I can't escape this addiction. I invite you to bring your powerful strength into my weakness. Life is overwhelming to me, God, I'm weak. I invite you into my circumstances. When you do that, you open up the channels for God's power. It starts with this admission that we are weak. The B of the ABCs is to be connected to the power source. You want power? Get connected. See, I have this theory, and the theory goes like this. Things work better when they're plugged in. Just a theory, but so far it's worked in my life. You and I work best when we're plugged into the creator of the universe. So let's say you get a toaster. Try to do toast without plugging it in. 
It's not going to work. I don't care how good looking the toaster is. I don't care what the net worth of the toaster is. I don't care if the toaster grew up in the church kitchen its entire life. You don't plug the toaster in, you're not going to get toast. It's really simple. So some of you are saying, you know what? I'm already a Christian. I'm already connected with God, but I still don't feel like I have power. Why? Well, I think it's because many of us unplug ourselves through ungodly choices, doing things on our own agenda. And then we have this arrogant expectation that God's going to bless what we're doing. Hmm. Think about it. It wouldn't make sense for God to supernaturally renew our strength, would it, when we're pursuing something out of, outside of his design for our lives? God's not going to do that. Jesus understood this connection theory, and he gives us a word picture. I love how he taught because he was always so visual. He says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. What is it that we can do apart from, from him? Nothing. Nothing. Now, I'm looking in the mirror when I ask these questions. What choices are we making that separate us from our relationship with a pure and holy and powerful God? What choices are we making that say, I am disconnecting from the power source? You know what, God? I'm going to get my needs met with you or without you. So I'm going to disconnect. What choices do we make on an ongoing basis that cut the vine of power between us and a living God where we disconnect? If we are to stay connected to the power source, we have to close exits that we use to disconnect. What are the exits that you use to disconnect from God, from the power source? We have to close those exits. I promised you that the most important, informed, intelligent, impactful decision you will ever make is to trust in the power and faithfulness of our God. As a matter of fact, he says to us that he's standing at the door and he knocks. And if we open the door, he will come in. He pursues us. The power source pursues us. He wants to give us that sort of power. If you're a seeker here today and you're checking this whole Christianity thing out, he's waiting for you just to open the door and step across the line and say, all right, God, I'm going to give you a chance to come into my life. If you've been a believer for a while and you feel like you're unplugged, there are many, many ways to plug into the power source. That's why Quest exists, to help you get plugged in and stay plugged in to a relationship with God. The C of the ABCs is to choose God's way with faith that power will show up. This one's the toughest. Choose God's way with faith that God's power will show up. The Bible makes it very clear that God's power and my faith are connected. For me to get God's power, I have to step out in faith. What does choose God's way mean? It means step out in obedience to what God calls us to do before the power shows up. Key word here is before. God wants us to take action before he supplies the power. All right, so some of you are thinking, now, Phil, you mean that I have to take action and act as if I have the power before I have the power in order to get the power. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's where faith enters in. You know, 99% of the time when we see God act in power, our faith is engaged and our faith is involved. And Paul tells us, what is faith? It's the confident assurance that what we have hope for is going to happen. Isn't that amazing? The name of this God, he is so great, he is so faithful, he is so powerful. This God who I have gotten to know is faithful and he is true and he is strong. 
And he will give us the confident assurance that what he speaks is true and he will make it happen. Even if it's our darkest hour and we don't think it can happen from here. Paul also writes, your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. First Corinthians two. You see, B and C work closely together. When I'm connected with God, my choices become a lot clearer. You choose God's way. You make godly choices. Now, notice that I didn't say that your choices get easier. I said they get clearer. There aren't any easy choices in life. But as I choose God's way and God says, okay, now my power is going to show up. He sees our faith and he turns on the power. You could read from the Bible, the Bible from cover to cover, and you would find event after event, story after story of this principle. You choose God's way and God's power shows up. How about this story? So we see the children of Israel after all of this time, this promise that God gave Abraham is about to come true. They're about to have their promised land, right? We got a couple million people here and it's time to go in. And the scripture says, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Let me stop there. Boy, we've seen a few news stories this year about Rivers that are flooding, still seeing them, what, in North Dakota, wherever that is. All over the country, it seems, we've had the 100-year flood that's happened a few too many times. So that's what we're facing here. It was harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Dangerous, time to drown. How are millions of people going to get across? God's calling us to do this. What's going to happen? And look at what the Scripture says. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water... At the river's edge, the water at that point began to back up a great distance away. What are these guys thinking? I mean, they're carrying this Ark of the Covenant, which I imagine is a little heavy, right? And they don't have pontoon boats or a bridge, and they step into the water? They took a step into the water, a step of faith, because God told them he was going to put them in the promised land. And what happened? <clears throat> as soon as they took that step, the water began to back up. When the priest took a step of faith, God's power showed up. God says to you today, I will honor your faith as, as it is by, by a display of my supernatural power. I'll give you power along the way. But the Bible teaches that God supplies power according to our faith. The same God who intervened and expressed his power throughout the pages of Scripture is the same God who says to you today, right now, I want to infuse your life with power. If you do three things, admit that you're weak, be connected to me, the power source, and choose my way with faith that my power is going to show up. You know, I look back at that very dark time in my life that I talked about here a moment ago, this time when I thought that my career and certainly my marriage might be over. At that moment in my life, another woman expressed her interest in me, and I had a decision to make. You know, I could have decided that my needs aren't being met in this marriage, and I deserve better. I could have somehow justified that it was okay for me to walk away from my marriage and that uh, I came from a broken home. I survived. My kids would survive. I was in great pain, unbearable pain. Surely it was okay to get relief. I remember being in such pain that I didn't want to be me tomorrow. I didn't want to feel that pain all over again. Then God asked me if I would stay connected to him, stay obedient to him. Listen to this. 
even if my wife never changed, even if my legitimate needs for nurture and acceptance were not met, could I be centered in Christ and remain connected to the power source? Or would I allow myself to be bent toward another fellow traveler to meet my needs? Would I truly allow God to meet all my needs, even in the painful circumstances, and even if those circumstances didn't change? Was I going to do that? This was terrifying to me because of my fear that if I stopped performing for the approval of my wife, my business clients, others, they might choose someone else to do that for them. Could I ever be accepted for me without this mask of performance? When I pondered such things, my arms and legs would become numb. I would stop breathing because the fear of rejection was so intense for me. In the end, I decided to plug into God and to stay connected to the power source. You know, in AA, they speak of making the next best decision. I didn't need to solve all my problems. I just needed to to rely on the power source. I decided to take it one day in one step at a time. This coming December, Melissa and I will celebrate 30 years of marriage. And God has brought amazing healing in each of us and in our marriage reconciliation that is powerful. I can honestly say that our marriage has never been as strong or as fulfilling as it has been in this last four or five years. That from the guy who wrote that one more day in this marriage feels like a death sentence. From hopeless to saying, God, I need you to show up. Remember, we do the possible with faith that God will do the impossible. That's our part. Let's say your marriage looks destined to fail. You do the possible. You treat your spouse as you know God would want them to be treated. You do the possible with faith that God will bring his power and restore that marriage, the impossible. Maybe you've got a friendship that's totally fractured. You do the possible. You pick up the phone. You ask for forgiveness. Not because you want to. Nobody wants to do that. But because you know it's the right thing to do. We do the possible with faith that God will do the impossible. That's the way it works. Remember Isaiah 40, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, don't go home and say, okay, I need, no, I need to reconcile. God, give me the power. Phil told me you're going to give me the power. God, give me the power. You know, I'm not seeing my hand move toward the phone here, God. I must not have the power. I guess this doesn't work. No, you do the possible. You pick up the phone and you start dialing with faith that God's power will show up. Are these easy steps? No, but they're good steps. And when you take a step of faith, when you step into that water, when you move into the direction that God wants you to take, His power will show up. You do the possible with faith that God will do the impossible. Let's listen to the words of this powerful song from Lisa. So faithful, so constant, so loving and so true, so powerful in all you do, you fill me, you see me, you know my every move, you love for me. 
patient, so gracious, so loving and so true, so wonderful in all you do. You fill me. You I'd like to invite the uh, prayer ministers to come forth. Prayer ministers, if you're here, just, just come forward. We're going to have a time of prayer. What powerful words. I know that you are for me. I know that you are for me. I know that you will never forsake me in my weakness. That's truth. I don't know what that does for you, but it moves my heart in my weakness of who I am and the pain that I go through, the pain that we talked about today. You know, if you're a seeker and you're here checking this whole Christianity thing out, I'm thrilled that you would come and investigate Christianity. But you'd be crazy to go home today and you know, lay out in the backyard and look up and say, God, if you're real, I want you to make those clouds into the shape of my favorite animal. It's not the way it works. You know, based on what we've talked about today, you need to step out and start walking in the direction of Christianity. Keep asking questions. Keep seeking. Keep coming to church. Read the Bible. Join one of the small groups that we have so you can ask questions. 
Take the step of faith. Put your foot in the water toward beginning a friendship with Jesus Christ. This power that we're talking about, the only condition that I didn't mention today, didn't have time to mention, is you don't get the power without the person. And the person is Jesus Christ. You've got to invite him into your heart, into your life. He stands at the door and he knocks. And if you've never done that, just crack that door open and say, you know what, God? It's, it's just so simple for us to do that. Christ, come in. Would you give me that kind of power to change my life? It's as simple as that. That's all you have to do. If you're ready to do that, know that he's ready. You know, for the rest of you, what area of your life do you need God's power to show up? And we talked about some of the pain that we go through today. The pain of sickness or the pain of separation or lost loved ones or pain in a marriage, a dark place where perhaps there isn't any hope. And in our weakness, God just says, you know what? If we confess our weakness and we say, God, show up, connect me to the power source, he is going to do that. He is faithful and he is going to connect you with the power source. I believe that God's speaking to many of you and he's saying to you today, take a step of obedience. Come forward and be prayed for today. Maybe you need to know who this Jesus fellow is or maybe you just need to connect with God's power. But don't walk out of here without taking that step of obedience toward him. You do the possible and you let God do the impossible. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your amazing and unconditional love. I just thank you, Lord, that um, it's not based on what we look like or where we're from or how much money we have or anything like that. You love us because you created us, because you're in love with us. You, you, you pursue us, Lord. You want to have a relationship. The almighty God, the creator, is also the one who wants to nurture us and love us and care for us. And Lord, I just praise you and thank you for that. And I, I just pray today that you would give us your power, your infinite, awesome power, your unlimited power, that same power that, that, that raised Jesus from the dead, that that would dwell within us and that we would walk in that power, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as we go our separate ways today, that you would just help us to admit our weakness, admit our need for you, that we would close exits that disconnect us from you. And Lord, for each one of us in the quiet of this moment, that you're speaking to us to take a step of obedience. There's something that we need to do, some exit we need to close, some reconciliation we need to seek. Maybe it's just to admit our weakness and our need of you. But Lord, I pray that you would speak that to our hearts. I pray that we would have the courage to be obedient and move toward you. And Lord, we pray all this in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great week.